Hello and welcome to the Monday Show here on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by Aaron Stokes. And as, as it's Christmas, we've got a very special guest in the shape of BBC Radio Newcastle's Matthew Raceback. We'll get Matthew in the studio in a wee while. On today's show, we'll look back on a much-needed win for Newcastle night with a Fulham and standout performances of some expected, unexpected names. We'll assess the ongoing injury crisis as well as Tuesday's clash with Chelsea in the League Cup. This is the Everything's Black and White podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Aaron, how are we doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. What about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a it's a, a celebration this week. Do you know why? Is it? Because this week marks, and this is the wildlife I need, ladies and gentlemen. This week marks a whole year since I took the lift in this office. I've just gone down it, counted how many stairs that is. 80 stair steps up to the office in a whole year without using the lift. Only you would keep a note of that mentally and I'm mark an anniversary. I'm impressed by that. Are you going to go home and celebrate with a non-alcoholic beer tonight? Yeah, I'm going to. We're on and we'll go out for lunch together because if he's going to join me, he has to come down at the stairs. But you were on a little journey of your own on Sunday. Yeah, a little, little nine-mile nine mile walk yesterday. Clearly trying to keep up with you, you know what I mean? How was the knee? Yeah, fine. I was worried. I was worried at today's press conference you were going to ask after I ask Eddie how to make room in the physio's room to recover. No, no. Emil Kraft came back with an absolute storm on Saturday from his ACL, and that'll be me in a couple of months' time when I finally make my return. Return to Monday Night Football. That's what you're yeah, was exactly. And if, Indeed, if you can have a return like Emil Kraft, it'll be quite a special one. Um, a fantastic win over Fulham, a much needed win. And before I hold my hands up, and I was wrong about the Fulham game. Let's get Matthew into the studio. Matthew, are we doing you well? When you said it's Christmas and you've got a special guest, I thought you meant Santa was coming on. Uh, bit of an anti-climax having me, but thanks for inviting me and good to see both of you again. Well, you've gone for like a festive colour there, not quite the red of Santa Claus, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a joker, isn't it? Yeah, it's not the most festive. It's orange. Uh, it caught Eddie Howe's eye earlier at the press conference. Um, he remarked on how, how brightly coloured it is, which I suppose is approaching a compliment from him at least at least he noticed it which i'm sure was the end when you put it on this morning um <laughs> now i have to say i was feeling very down before the Fulham game i was predicting a heavy loss to newcastle and then if they did lose i was thinking they're going to go out with the cup uh to chelsea but i was wrong and i'll happily admit that i was wrong i still think Fulham put an excellent fight even with 10 men uh, so, uh, but newcastle still had a win and it's never easy as hour when you go up against 10 men and um, Fulham didn't make these for Newcastle at all. They didn't at all. And even when it was 11 v 10 in that first half, there was moments where Fulham had real flashes, you know. I mean, Alex Iwobi on another day really should have scored that chance when Jonathan's pass goes astray. Um, and Newcastle really had to ground it out. I mean, the first half, they were a little bit slow, they were a little bit sluggish. You tell that they were trying to break Fulham down. Um, and the game was really crying out for someone to just pick it up on its back and, and drive Newcastle forward. And thankfully... And Bruno, they had a player like that. But I think at half-time, some of us were thinking, is it going to be one of those days where they just can't put the ball in it? Mm. I think really, you could you could sense it around the stadium as well. It was it was a wee bit flat to begin with. Obviously, the, the red card kind of ramped things up. But what you had was Newcastle just trying to break down a, a very organised and, and decent Fulham side, which at times I didn't think looked like they had a man sent off. No, Fulham did well with the 10 men and it would have been interesting to see how the match would have gone if it remained 11 v 11 for longer but they had three quarters of the the 90 minutes Newcastle with a man advantage so it felt like 
winning was only a matter of time. I would say that obviously that that skewed things a little bit, didn't it, with Raul Jimenez getting sent off. Um, but also, if both teams were at full strength, you would back Newcastle to beat Fulham as good as they've been recently, probably every time at St. James's Park. So it was a match that they were targeting um, in, in terms of a win. And it was a much needed victory as well. And even though it took a while for the goals to come, I think once you saw the way they started the second half with the intent that they were playing with, um, I know Fulham had maybe a little bit of ball the first five minutes of the second half, but really it was mostly all Newcastle. You felt that the goals would come and and yeah, they came a bit later. But um, yeah, three, three very different goals and um, for different reasons, but... Um, a satisfying win and, and the relief on Eddie Howe's face when the ball hit the net after Lewis Miley scored um, was real because it's not a game that they could have afforded to slip up in because they would have lost more ground in the, the race for Europe and also it would have extended uh, the winless run or possibly the losing run. So it was a vital victory for them. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe they just needed something to go their way and perhaps the red card decision, the VAR review, and then the upgrades were red, um, just was the, the helping hand that they needed in that first half. Indeed. And Aaron, no question, red card? Yeah, look, I, I'm going to be honest. I've watched it back four or five times since Saturday, and I still cannot work out what on earth Raul Jimenez was trying to do. I mean, why on earth was he flying in with a kung fu cell kick in the first place? He's wild, though, isn't he? Because he feels like the cells should have probably seen red moments. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think you know, we were talking about this after the match. Um, if there's any striker in the Premier League that is going to probably need a couple of minutes to calm down after something like that, it's all him there. He does sort of play like a bit of a headless chicken sometimes. And I think that was what we saw. We saw he was angry and he jumped in it. You know, like I say, karate chop, long stuff. He tries to pull out of it. And I think by him trying to pull out of it, it actually earns him the yellow card in the first place because the ref says, okay, look, he's yes, he's came in with force. But I think as soon as you saw the first replay of it, you thought, there's no way he's going to escape that. And I think it was the correct decision. And funnily enough, Marco Silva only took three questions after the uh, game from from a London-based journalist. And he spent the entire four minutes 40 of his press conference moaning about the referee. But one thing that he didn't actually moan about was the decision to give the red card. And I think that says quite a lot. It was good to see where that VAR actually doing what it's when to do. doesn't always happen. But as Aaron mentioned there, Mark Silva, he was he was a tad angry after the game, and what, what did you make of his comments? Because he's essentially accused the referee of, of crumbling to uh, the influence of the United's fans. Well, I was in the radio interview room, which is um, along the tunnel at St James's Park, not far from where you were in the main press conference, and Marco Silva performed in exactly the same way. He he was asked a general question about the match, and he spent a good few minutes ranting about the referee and VAR. Um, he was really irate, actually. I haven't seen a manager that, well, we saw Mikel Arteta, I suppose, but apart from that one, a manager is annoyed um, in a post-match interview for a long time. Um, you can, I think his frustration was that the challenge or the, the contact between Lascelles and Jimenez was not looked at and there was nothing given against Lascelles. And then within a few minutes, he loses his center forward, who he said was was still a bit wound up because of that. But listening back to what Marco Silva said, there were also, I think, more criticisms aimed at the VAR process and how that influenced 
a referee who's relatively inexperienced in the Premier League. It was only um, uh, Sam Barrett's eighth Premier League fixture. And he, he felt that yellow card was fine, but pressure from VAR um, kind of forced him to upgrade it. And it's we say it all the time, don't we, that whenever a referee goes to the screen, there's a sense of inevitability about what's coming and that the decision, whatever was made on the pitch, will be changed, will be reversed, or when it's a, a, an offence with a card, it'll be upgraded. Um, and that was the case. So once he went to the screen, you always felt that that it would happen. It was a pretty wild and out-of-control action, though, from Jimenez. As you just said, Aaron, not really sure what he's doing. If he'd caught Longstaff on the shoulder rather than around the head, perhaps there wouldn't have been an upgrade to a red card because that's potentially not as dangerous. But it was it was a bizarre action, and I don't really think they can complain too much, uh, Fulham. But but obviously they would. I think any team would when it goes against them. On a on a wider note, with with VAR, I'm just wondering as a, as a commentator how you deal with the. Uh... The long pauses in the game when they are looking at an incident. Now, Saturday wasn't uh, too much of a delay at all, but we have seen you know decisions take minutes upon minutes. So, what are you doing in that instance? Because you are live on the radio, you're live on the club website at that moment. I suppose is it just describing what what you can see and just trying your best to fill in the the gap? Yeah, let me tell you how it works. Um, because uh, local radio across the country. Um, not just BBC Newcastle, we don't get access to the VAR feed like Sky Sports would or any other BT Sports, Amazon Prime, any other live TV, Premier League broadcaster, even match of the day. So we know what we see on the screen and we are obviously ahead of the supporters in the stands who don't get information until it's announced or it appears on the, the giant screen at St. James's which part of the ground can't see as well if you're in the East Stand or um, some of the, the Leasers or the, the Gallagher end. So we are probably slightly behind the television broadcasters in what we know and when. So we have to just talk through it. Um, and on the radio, obviously, you, you can't have silence. You can't have dead air. There's still atmosphere from the crowd. Um, but we just have to really recap what's happened and say what we're seeing on the replay. So John Anderson former Newcastle player who's with me for the games. We will look at the replays. We will say what we're seeing, talk about the angles that we get and how it might look different from different um, positions, depending on where the camera is and the speeds that are shown. Um, and then Ander will try and form his opinions from that, which may or may not be different to what he called in real time, um, which I think on Saturday he felt that yellow card was probably fair enough. And then seeing it again, you know, understanding why VAR felt that there was a review and then when the referee goes to the monitor, obviously we we say that he's doing that, but also there can be a delay then, can't there? Because he's being shown everything by VAR. He's in communication with them through his headset. Um, so we have to talk through that. And just, you know, all, on Saturday, we we're just talking about where the players were because they were looking over his shoulder, watching it again. Um, and yeah, we just wait for it all to play out. And then as soon as we know, as soon as we get the confirmation, we, um, we announce it. You hear the crowd, which obviously... Um, helps, you know, confirm the point that a decision's been made. But more information will be really useful for us in commentary as it would be for supporters in the stadium because you need as much information as you can to understand what's going on, even if you don't necessarily agree with it. I think I listeners know my uh, 
view on VAR, how how much it needs to be improved before I get on side with it. I've got some comments here, uh, Razor, which makes me think you've slipped some people 20 quid on your way in. Uh, Sammy says, the voice of any Castle United legends, I, I assume they can only be talking about you. And Gary says, I always enjoy watching, listening to match highlights on Newcastle uh, TV and YouTube with Matthew, who's commentary brilliant. So, you know, there are people out there that like you, Matthew. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening, whether it's through the radio or through NUFC TV or the club's social media. It's um, it's always nice to hear that people appreciate the service. And John Anderson always um, gets to hear any positive comments. I always pass them on to Ando. So thank you. And, and I pass on the negative ones as well. Uh, you know, we all get that, don't we? Don't worry, Aaron's saving them until the air in the show. Um, we can all improve. Yeah. <laughs> So when you guys have had their chances, Aaron, you know, you've got Gordon hitting the bar and Leno producing a fantastic uh, save early in the second half. But you always felt that goal would come and it, it did come thanks to Lewis Miley. And it just seems, well, I don't know how long now, the last month, six weeks, we've just been raving about this lad and saying, what more can we say about him? But again, on Saturday, he just had an air of maturity about him for a 17-year-old, which most won't have, you know, to be rested. Reacts really well to that, coming off the bench, stepping into Joe Linton's shoes, that's not an easy task. And then the way he takes his chance as well, you know, at the Gallagher, he's calm, he's composed. And I think I sat here, I think it was the Manchester United game, and we both said, we just want him to have that confidence to strike a ball because he's getting into the right positions. We mm. both called it the long staff run, just to the, to the right of the box, you know, where you've got the far left corner bearing down. And this time he took his chance. He was confident. He didn't put his foot through it. He just picked a spot and rolled it into the back of the net. And what a moment for the lad. Absolutely. I think one thing that struck me before the game, I don't know if people listening or watching will agree with me, but I was actually really surprised to see him not starting because we've just gotten so used to him, as you say, the last month, six weeks, being a part of this team. And we were obviously, at, we've been asking the question recently, you know, how long until we're actually thinking of him as, you know, a real contender to replace someone like, Willick or Longstaff and I think he could feel really aggrieved to have missed out on Saturday given his recent form Eddie Howe was asked about it afterwards and said he just wanted to give him a rest which is understandable um, but as you say I mean if we were sat here two months ago and you're talking about Joe Luton going off in the middle of the first half and Miley coming into the team you'd be thinking okay it's a bit of a downgrade and now actually Miley's just in this rhythm where he's slotting into the team he's making them better Um and as you've just touched on there, we've seen a lot of times in the last couple of weeks he's been getting it to that right-hand channel, as Longstaff loves to do, um, and he gets to score at the Gallagher. And, and by the way, the best moment of Saturday by far was seeing him wheeling away. And Eddie Howe always talks about how composed and calm he is and he doesn't let all this fanfare and hype get to him. And you feel like on Saturday you just saw a little glimpse of him finally breaking that character and he sort of looked a bit embarrassed celebrating for another Gallagher and... You know, Gordon's pushing him back into the corner to, you know, make sure he goes and enjoys another celebration. And I think that was the first time we actually saw Lewis Smiley think, okay, you know what, this is real now. This is actually, you know, a dream come true. Whereas before, it just looked like nothing at all faced him. Um, but, I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. I thought, yeah, had a great game. Mm, sure you did it. I think in that moment as well, Razor, when you've got, you know, Bruno running straight towards him and, as Aaron said, Gordon pushing him, um, back in towards the crowd, then afterwards, Dan Byrne going up front of you uh, alongside him. It, it's a sign of how the leaders are playing a role in Lewis Miley's development. You know, there was an instant when he first comes on, or five minutes after he comes on, and Fulham have a counter, 
And he's let his man run out. He's just getting into the game. You know, he's just come on. And Sean Longstaff turns around to him and, and berates him. He says, you know, you've got to keep up the play. And we're seeing this. We're seeing the leaders not letting Lou Smiley get ahead of himself. They're keeping him grounded and always looking for ways to improve him. Yeah, they're looking after him. They're protecting him. But they are treating him as an equal, uh, like any other player. So... I think that's all part of it. Everything that you've you've outlined then, and you've just talked about, um, he is there on merit, and yeah, he is. You know, he's first team player now, even at the the tender age of seventeen, which is a remarkable um, thing for somebody that young. But he deserves it. He's so so good, and he's only going to get better. They've thought for a while at Newcastle that Lewis Miley will have a big future. Um, and you know he's a player not just for the years to come, but also a player for now. And thank goodness he's there because of the injury crisis and all the midfielders that they've had unavailable at various times because they've needed him. But at the team's time of need, he stepped in and stepped up straight away. Um, and it's fantastic because the League Cup tie against Manchester City when he made his first competitive start in September, um, he didn't perhaps hit the heights that he did in pre-season, a different environment, obviously, but that was a tough night for him. He probably grew from that experience and then coming in for those games against Chelsea with that brilliant setup for Isak, going and playing so well, with such composure in Paris against Manchester United again and on and on. And even after Bournemouth, when it was tough for the team, but he did well in the in the central uh, role at times in the midfield um he's probably gotten better with every match and there's no fears now as Aaron said about him playing and there have been fans who were disappointed as well that he didn't start but but Eddie Howe again talked about not exposing him to too much football at the age of 17 they don't want to burn him out so he may be in and out over the next few weeks and months, but probably more in than out at the moment because of all the injuries and Joe Linton being the latest midfielder to have a problem and Joe Willock not back yet. Elliot Anderson, uh, Eddie Howe said his recovery is happening, but it's been slow from his um, stress fracture in his back. So they are light in the middle. Uh, obviously, Tonali can't play for another eight or nine months. So we are going to see more of Lewis Miley, um, which is just a fantastic thing for Newcastle and brilliant also for the academy. And the young Geordies there who can see that if you're good enough, that the pathway exists. Well, there's a Miley brother as well, which the Academy are supposedly very excited about as well. So, um, long way the success there continue. Aaron, is it slightly different with Lewis Miley in terms of his first team position than it is, say, with Jamal LaSalle versus Sven Botman? You know, we were looking at when Botman returns, there's a lot of debate that Botman will just slide straight back into that start 11. Although he didn't um, more than we can, but I'm talking about when he gets back to, 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 to match fitness. With Miley, there's no guarantee that when they'll start a return, as we've seen, um, you know, the likes of Sean Longstaff and, and Co, that Lewis Miley does drop out of the side from now on and he has to, you know, just make an impact from the bench. Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, if, if results go in Newcastle's way this week and they beat Chelsea and they get a result against Sunderland next month, the games are going to continue to come thick and fast. And as Razor's just pointed out there, Elliot Anderson doesn't look like he's too close to return and Joe Willock is probably going to be out for another month. We know that. You know, Sean Longstaff has his troubles with injuries over time. Bruno and Joel and you can never really guarantee on them for a full season either. So, what we're sat here talking about, will, will, will he drop out? 
there might actually not come a time where he's even asked to because of you know this ongoing crisis. But um, I think Razor makes a really good point up against Manchester City. He was thrown in from the outset, very, very talented, lots of hype around him. And the game just sort of really passed him by. Whereas now, you know, we've seen him in the last couple of weeks alone, PSG, AC Milan, Chelsea, these big games, he doesn't look phased by them anymore. So I think the last six weeks and maybe as Razor said, that first the baptism of fire where he got thrown in against City and he got hauled off at half time through no fault of his own. I think that has made him, you know, a much, much better player. It's really interesting, isn't it, Razor? Because with Elliot Anderson, you looked at him and you always thought he needed to, to fill out, he needed to go to the gym, he needed to add a bit of muscle about him. And he went away and did that. And suddenly you went, okay, there's a player here. But with Lewis Miley, you know, he's, he's thin as the stick. He will end up filling out a little bit as he gets older. But I think there's a different level there already. And I don't want to sound harsh now that he's going to have a great career. And I'm very excited when he, he comes back. But I, I do already look at the two and think already. Um, my looks 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 better than Anderson, and he's still what two three years younger than. Yeah, well, different types of midfielders. Also, Elliot Anderson, when when I saw him play for the academy teams, he was playing often in the forward line, uh, whether it's wide or as a, a number ten. But Eddie Howes liked him as a left sided central midfielder, which is where he played quite a bit of his football this season. Uh, and that's actually, I think that's a, a massive blow losing Elliot Anderson because he was looking good. And this was a chance for him, really. He was starting games regularly in the Premier League to establish himself. And there's a heck of a lot more to come from him as well. Always lost, Razor, there. That is the uh, the curse of doing it live. <laughs> we'll see if we can get Razor back in in a moment. Two seconds. Um, is he yeah. back? You back? Yeah. You are back? Yeah, I could, I could still see you, but you lost me. I was just saying how much more there's to come from Elliot Anderson. Um, and with his versatility, that's a, a big plus. And Eddie Howe likes that. Look at how many Newcastle players get used in more than one position. It's not an accident. Um, but comparing him to Lewis Miley, I think it's great that there's two academy graduates, recent academy graduates there in the squad. Um, but Miley, I mean, he's, he's quite tall. He's, he's an elegant sort of midfield player. He's not necessarily a destroyer and go around smash people up like Joe Linton does a few times every match, um, which uh, which might be useful at Luton, but I don't know if he's going to be fit enough to play in that game. But I do take your point. Physically, he's you know he's playing in top-level matches the way Newcastle go about things with such intensity. So he's incredibly fit, and he doesn't look lacking in that department, but obviously he'll develop and fill out a bit more over time. Um to be 17 and to have that that ability to be so measured and and to do what he's done is it's absolutely incredible uh, and it's brilliant to see because there hasn't been enough of that coming through the academy unfortunately or getting the opportunities at the early ages from the academy in the recent years so yeah great for mine he's been around the first team for for a while more than a year i think um but yeah this is his moment this is his chance and it's uh, it's a real success story Certainly isn't, and hopefully more to come through as well. Just wondering in that moment, Razor, when Miley puts it into the back of the net, again, just going back to what you do, you know, with the commentating and what have you, what, what are you thinking in that moment? Because we, we've spoken before, one thing that stood in my mind is when I asked you about when fans returned to the ground after COVID-19, you said, well, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do because in one way, you want the silence there to pick up the atmosphere. And obviously, you don't always want silence there, but in that moment, you said, 
it's going to be the first time you hear the chant. It's going to be the first time you hear the noise bar. In that instance, when Lewis Miley scores, because I think everyone would assume, and most people would assume, you, you know, you're going to be top of your voice excited. But I watched it back, and you were quite calm and measured with it. It wasn't. It wasn't as I don't know boisterous as I thought it might be. Yeah, you try and judge it on the moment. I mean, firstly, it's the moment belongs to the player and the team, and, and I suppose the fans as well. Not you. So you've got to try and find the right words and right tone to to get the, you know, to to basically do the moment justice and there's loads of different ways you can go about it um the one thing that you can't do that you never do is write anything in preparation for something happening because you cannot predict what is going to happen on a football field at any given time and just look at Newcastle's last few matches as as an example um you know what happened in in Paris um the Miley scoring his first goal after after coming on and not starting you know, even even in the Chelsea match, they go two 0 up, and then within a minute, it's it's it two uh, one, it's three one because of a mistake. So you've got to be ready, and just try and respond. Um, yeah, having the crowd there really helps. And we sit for our commentaries next to some supporters in the Melbourne stand, just to the right of the halfway line, quite low down. So the crowd noise is really important to our commentary. And when it's on the radio, and I know some people watch it back through NUFC TV or the club social media with. Uh, pictures so you're seeing it but for the radio it's about how it sounds so the crowd really lifts it and St James's Park's been so noisy and and brilliant for the last couple of years never more so than than against Paris Saint-Germain uh, this season uh, I would say but that does make a real difference but um, yeah you can you can still be passionate and um, and really give it some welly but have a bit of control as well I've not listened back to it yet actually um, we do listen back to all of our commentaries or parts of the games you know always trying to trying to make it better but uh, hopefully we did it justice and yeah obviously you know when it's Lewis Miley just like when when you're writing or you're talking about him both of you um you know you know what it is he's 17 um you know we now know where he is on the Premier League's list of youngest goal scorers he's Newcastle's youngest scorer so there's you know there's all of that that's going to go in and that's why you do your research and, and and things beforehand and then you just hope that the words come out in the right order when uh, when something happens, uh, it doesn't always happen. I can assure you, but um, that's what you try to do. On that goal, there's elements of the build of that we need to talk about. I mean, firstly, Aaron Ian Livermento dancing down the flank, coming inside, then giving the ball to Bruno. Another really solid performance by Livermento, and we've got a fullback now who can go forward with confidence. He's assured with the ball. He's not just someone who gets down the flank and puts it into the box, he's someone that who can cut inside, he's someone who can go for goal, he's someone who can dance around defenders. And again, he's still someone that's got the best years ahead of them. Yeah, absolutely. I saw a fan the other week, um, it was well before the Fulham game when, when Tina was really enjoying that good purple patch of form. And somebody compared him to a really young Gareth Bale. You know when Gareth Bale was just coming through and he was playing at left back rather than left midfield and he was actually adding goals to his game. And I, I don't know if he's there yet, Livermento, but I think he's certainly We've seen what he offers going forward as well as offering going back. I mean, when they were playing against Manchester United the other week and Man United were trying to spring these counter-attacks, it was remarkable how often Livermento would be there to cut it out and shut it down. Um, I thought he had another really, really good game on Saturday. I think he sort of went under the radar on Saturday of how good he was. Um, very, very versatile as we've seen. He started obviously at right back, moved out to left back. Um the, I mean, the sky is the limit for him. We've got to remember he's only 21 as well. He could really um, 
really, really become a, a really great player for this club. And I was speaking to uh, Ben Dinnery, the injury expert, last week. Um, and I was asked about Livermento and obviously coming back from this ACL injury. And Ben was saying, it's it's really interesting to see how good he's been this quickly after such a lengthy absence because usually it takes players one or two years to get back up to full speed. If Livermento's still got another way to go in the next year, then I'd like to see it. Left the ground also taking one a nice job in years because there was a collision with a Fulham player and he, he crouched out helped him up. You don't always get like just you know, it just looks like a very nice job. But yeah, on the pitch, I mean he's just unbelievable. And to have someone with that confidence raiser going down the flank, but also someone who can defend really well as well. He's got speed about him. You're gonna to have to be quick to get the better of him going towards Newcastle's goal. Have you been impressed with him? Oh, he's an elite level fullback already. Um, the fact he can play on both sides is a big plus. Um, but he's so athletic, so good on the ball. He does everything so well. Um, when I was with you, Andrew, it, at the end of last season, at the Everything is Black and White live event um, that we that we did, that you in, invited me very kindly to speak at, um, I did mention Livermento as a player that I'd, I'd love Newcastle to sign. Um, and I'm so pleased that they got him. I remember when he played for Southampton at St. James's, and this was uh, during the Steve Bruce era still. It was 2-2 draw, wasn't it, um, at the start of the what became the, the takeover season. Um, and that day, and he just signed from Chelsea, you could see, I think he was 18, he looked a level above you know, quite a few players out there, and you knew he was going to develop into something special. I'm so happy that we're going to see that hopefully at Newcastle. Um, they had to pay quite a bit to get him because Chelsea would do a, a, a portion of the transfer fee. Um, but but he's he's absolutely worth it and, and it, it justifies um, the outlay and the work they put into that transfer. Uh, it was interesting that I think Chelsea, if my memory serves me correctly, the home match was his first Premier League start in a Newcastle shirt. Um, he, he'd come on in a few games Obviously, started in the cup uh, at um, Manchester United against Man City, where he was very good against Jack Grealish, and then he was brilliant in Dortmund. He's Newcastle's best player that night, and you could see that, you know, this kid's a star. Um, but now he's in the team. How on earth do you take him out of it? Uh, you know, unless he's injured or suspended. Um, Dan Burns going to have a, a battle on for that left back position. But also Dan Byrne, a bit like others, as we've talked about, can play in more than one position. And that's really important, but especially at the minute. So Livermento can give you both sides. Byrne can go inside. Kraft can play at centre-back, as we saw at Old Trafford. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Livermento and, and the options that he gives Newcastle. I, I, frankly, everyone's a big fan of Livermento, and I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow at Chelsea. But where it all started for him. Yeah, Aristotle is key there as well. We've got uh, Lesson. Livermento was one of the best tacklers you can ever recall on top of everything else. And Sean, agreeing with you, Reza, that is so glad and has assigned Livermento such a talent. So Reza kind of predicted he was going to end up in Newcastle. I predicted he's going to be first choice next season. What are you, what's your Livermento prediction, Aaron? Oh, uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll go bold. I'll go even further down the line. Future Newcastle captain. Future Newcastle and United captain, right? We'll come back in a few years to see if Aaron was right about that one. Do they have that one? England squad, maybe. End of the season. Uh, yeah. Well, he's going to get in the England squad ahead of, I'm not, actually ahead of Anthony Gordon, obviously different positions, but before Anthony Gordon, which would be a little bit cruel, 
Oh, Gordon, wouldn't it? Well, it's... Listen, Cole Palmer, who will probably see tomorrow for Chelsea, has done extremely well for them this season. But I'm pretty sure Anthony Gordon's numbers are still better than Palmer's, although he, he set one up and scored at the weekend uh, for Chelsea. Um, it does feel this is probably not a new observation and not a new argument on this show, uh, that uh, it, it can often be the, the club that you play for more so than your form that can determine whether you get a call-up for England. But in Gordon, in Liveramento, and there are others beyond them, Newcastle have players who, you know, really ought to be under consideration for England. So you never know. And Trippier is a regular. Wilson's been back in, had to withdraw through injury. It's great that they've got so many that are candidates for England, but but those two at uh, at their young ages could still definitely be, um, yeah, be around the international scene for a long time. I hope they both get recognition because I think they deserve it, Livermento, and definitely Gordon this season. That's sure. So we've got Geordie Tune for life saying, Livermento, four prime minister. <laughs> you can't do a worse job than those currently in charge, so we'll wait and see about that one. Um, the other elements of the goal, uh, Aaron, was, was Bruno... A dance a few past a few defenders, really nice footwork, and then picks out Miley. Miley does the rest. But that second half, in particular, from Bruno was was probably his best performance in recent weeks. Certainly, one of his best performances of the season. I was uh, speaking in my group chat on Saturday night. Someone said it's probably one of the best performances he's ever had in the Newcastle shirt. I think it's certainly up there. I thought, as I said at the very start of the uh, show, it felt like one of those games where you needed, you know, a player to just step up and carry the team on their back and drive them forward to win and I think a lot of times we don't see that from Bruno he's got the ability to do it but there's some times where you know maybe he just goes a little bit missing we've already questioned you know at the very start of the season where we seen the best of him was he still fully fit I think the last few weeks he's really really stepped up I think Milan um I know me and you maybe disagreed on it in midweek but I thought he was really really good um that is the Bruno that we signed that's what we wanted we want to see more of it I thought he was Far away man of the match. Um, really, really good to set up both goals. Two very different assists. Um, and now we just need to hope that that's the start and he can maybe kick on a little bit. The most passes in the game from a Newcastle uh, point of view, I think most touches uh, as well. Uh, I mean, what was your take on, on Bruno Razor back to his best? Yeah, I thought he was really good. Uh, I would agree with Aaron, uh, the man of the match from the weekend. I think he's been good in recent weeks, actually. Uh, Thinking back to PSG in the first half when Newcastle participated more in in the in the game in the sense that they had more of the ball, um, I thought he played well and and you know the, he's built for the big stage and he wants to play in the Champions League and uh, yeah I think I think his last few European performances have been good as have the Premier League ones. Obviously he missed the Bournemouth match uh, which they lost because uh, when Bruno doesn't play. Newcastle don't win. The stats show that, don't they? Is it seven matches since he made his debut that he hasn't featured in and they haven't won any of them in the Premier League? So, uh, look, we all know we don't need numbers to um, <laughs> to to understand why Bruno is so important. Your eyes don't lie. And he's, uh, he's fantastic and could be key tomorrow night in getting through in the Cup. He's one player, obviously, going back to those statistics, though, how much they've not done well without him. Um, that they really cannot afford to lose through injuries if, if this crisis is to deepen and continue. So they've got to protect him because he's playing every match, but he's so important that he has to, that they just can't afford to lose him. Hmm. And I mean, there's other players as well who, who stood out one 
on Saturday. Dan Byrne looked like he'd never been away. Really assured performance from him. I thought Jamal LaSalle's um, had another uh, decent game. Nine out of nine aerial duels. But I think the person we're going to speak about next, Razor, is Mr. Emil Kraft back in the fold. Unexpectedly, perhaps, because of um, of the injuries on the day. But he, he was absolutely superb. And, and Eddie Howe did something he doesn't usually do. He singled them out for praise in the post-game press conference as well. Yeah, well, he did a couple of things because he brought Kraft on and then moved Livramento and moved Byrne inside. So he switched around three of the back four when he made that substitution. And with Sven Botman on the bench, probably you, you would have felt that because of Botman's importance that he might have been the player to come on. But after three months out and, and missing 17 games, Botman, uh, they were just being careful with him and, and we got to see him later. But I'm so pleased to see Emil Kraft back and doing well. You know, 13 months out is such a long time. And Eddie Howe said today at his press conference that he hasn't lost any of his speed, which he feels is a big strength of his. And after a cruciate ligament injury, that's always a, a big concern. You know, what condition do players come back in? So uh, Emil Kraft looks looks good. He was He was brilliant. Up and down the touchline, defended well. Uh, a fantastic performance. And Eddie Howe, after the match, did praise him, Andrew, you're right, and, and made reference to that spell when Kieran Trippier got injured when he broke his foot uh, not long after signing, and Kraft had to play the majority of that final uh, period of the season. And it was his best football for Newcastle. And it's clear that he's the latest addition to this lengthy list of players who benefited so much from Eddie Howe and his coaching staff's management and help over the last two years pretty much everybody who's been there in that time has been touched by it in a positive way and now you've seen the improvement in Kraft's game and and it's really good he seems like such a nice person and a good character and with a fantastic attitude so you can't help but be pleased for him Gary says ever since powers come in Kraft hasn't put a foot wrong also offers us directness down the right I'm not mistaken how he is out of contract though isn't he in the summer, so he'll be looking to earn himself a new deal. Now, so plenty of talk on social media after the game. Why not give Kieran Trippier a, a break over the next couple of weeks? Maybe bring him back in time for that Liverpool game. Obviously, that's a few weeks away, but it looked like Trippier was suffering with fatigue more than most um, for his suspension against Fulham. So, is it time for Camille, uh, Emil Kraft just to get a, a few games under his belt, or do you need to bring Trippier in, i.e., tomorrow against Chelsea? Well, Eddie Howe was asked this morning about Trippier, who obviously missed uh, last weekend through suspension. Um, and he actually said, you know, they, they're going to make a late decision on Trippier and potentially rest him and give him a little bit of a break after such a hectic schedule. I think he, we've seen how well Livermento's played there. We've seen how well crafted on Saturday. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, and also, it just added to the performance that he put in at Old Trafford, which was his first start back in the team um, after such a long absence. And he goes to... Manchester United away and keeps a clean sheet. I think he's been spot on. He was asked a couple of weeks ago on international break, um, you know, do you see if you're Castle? Do you want to stay? And he made no bones about it. He would like to get a new contract here. If it was me making the decision, I think it's an absolute brain. He's a fantastic squad player now. Mm, I think I'd like to give get a few more games under his belt before you're offering a new deal because it is such a big injury. Uh, but if he continues to take the chances like he did on Saturday, there'd uh, be no issue in, in extending his state. Reza, it felt like a big goal for Miggy on Saturday. We know he got he's, he's, he's had a lot of stick in recent weeks. 
um, for lacking that end product. Has he slipped back into the midi of old? And then obviously what happened against Milan on the line where he hits that with his right, it's in the back of the net, but he just, you know, he just wasn't capable of doing it. It felt like on Saturday he was trying too hard. Like he was really trying to to produce something, whether it be a goal or, or an assist. In the end, simple tapping. But you could tell by the way that he celebrated, holding his hands up in a sort of apology. I think he was he was impacted by by the criticism. I think of the last week um, ahead of ahead of Fulham. Yeah, very possibly. He's so important to the way Newcastle play. Um, it is frustrating at times when he won't use his right foot. And when I, I sit next to John Anderson during the commentaries, uh, it is one of Ando's um, biggest biggest issues with Almiron. He gets quite annoyed sometimes when he just won't use his right foot. Uh, there was one time on Saturday when he was on the left wing because they swapped him and Gordon for about five minutes and uh, he had the chance to cross with his left and he cut inside and laid it off. He thought on his, on his, on his favoured foot he'd just whip it in. Um, but actually cutting in from the right side and famously against Fulham last season, the 1-2 with Bruno, they, they almost tried uh, to do it again on Saturday but it didn't come off. Um, has brought Newcastle a lot of joy. He is very one-footed, but everything else that he does, whether it's off the ball or on the ball, is is really important. The end product has been an issue, but that has improved significantly under Eddie Howe with the, the number of goals that he has scored for the club. I think he's just gone past in Premier League terms, because we've talked about this a lot with Callum Wilson being third on the list now. I think Almiron not quite sure where he is, but he's ahead of Laurel Robert now for Premier League goals for Newcastle, um, which is yeah not not an insignificant thing. Such a, a legend of of a, a different era, but a great team. Um, yeah, he wasn't going to miss on Saturday. Um, it, I don't know if it had been brought back for a penalty had he not got there. Uh, possibly the challenge on Wilson who got uh, barged over, but it did feel like he needed the goal, and um, I hope. I hope there'll be another one from him tomorrow at Chelsea because you'd expect him to start because there's nobody else really to play in that wide position. But Eddie Howe thinks a lot of him and selects him pretty much every time he's fit. So uh, I think he's going to be a big player for Newcastle again this season, Almiron. Um, But yeah, I I don't know how you feel about the whole right foot thing. Um, The the tapping against Milan's, yeah, it's it's tough. It'll have hurt him as much as it frustrated supporters. You do just wish sometimes he'd back himself a little bit more with his with his right foot. He's a Premier League player, an international player. Um, you know, just yeah, trust in his ability. Well, there's two things that irritate me more than anything uh, when it comes to professional footballers, and it is not being the first mile with a cross or a corner, and the inability to use both feet. I mean, when you've been paid this amount of money, you should be able to be using both and being the first man. And also, it's not as if we're talking about Miguel Almiron, the 19-year-old up-and-coming superstar who might be able to start using his right foot. He's, he's 28, 29 years old. He should have, you know, have learned to by now. It's, I mean, it's a great that we have on this podcast quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah, it just it really does, uh, does frustrate me. I can see Sam Mulna from Newcastle Fans TV in the green room. We'll get him on in a moment because it's going to be the end of, uh, yeah, trivia because this is the last win the show before Christmas and well, the last one the show of twenty twenty three actually. Um, but we're going to end up end up with some uh, trivia that me now and I are going to partake in. Um, so we'll get into that in just a moment. I just want to ask you Aaron, about the injury crisis continuing though. Fabian Share and Joe Linton coming off, and 
you just have to laugh because if you if you don't, you'll end up crying. Yeah, I mean, when Fabian Cher went down, it was, you know, that collective groan in the stadium. It was one of those where you knew he wasn't getting back up off the turf, given that he uh, he pulled up so quickly when running with the ball. Jonathan just compiled the misery. There was actually a moment in the second half as well when Dan Byrne went down and he's holding his back. And I thought, Carl, this is, I mean, they are just dropping like flies. And I think um, a lot of fans are pointing to the fact that, you know, going out of you it might not have been the worst thing you know Eddie Howe will never agree with that I'm sure a lot of fans listening to this won't agree with that but you know they are slow running on fumes they could all do with a break thankfully though it doesn't look like Cher and Joel Linton are going to be too long out uh, it looks like a little hamstring problem for Joel Linton um, and a glute issue for Cher probably won't be risked tomorrow night but touch wood doesn't look too long to with me. that in mind then who starts in that back line because we've seen Newcastle make the changes in the Cups against Manchester United and Man mm-hmm. City. He hasn't really got too much option to do that again, but um, who starts centre-back for Newcastle? Oh, um, for me, I would probably go... You know what? I, I would not be against it being Kraft and Dummett again like it was at Old Trafford. Um, there's also... Putting it right-back, Livermento left-back? I would I would maybe even go Livermento right-back, Burn left-back. I'd be open to... How hinted today that the... It looks like they may give Trippier a rest, and I think I think I'll be happy with that. Razor, who, who are you picking in, in that back line? Yeah, <laughs> tough on that, isn't it? Uh, it's probably the it's probably the one area of the team where he's got options. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there might be might be I'd say Livermento will play. There might be a chance for Botman. Um, would he play Botman and Burn together? Probably not. So it would be Lasalle's. I, I'll say Kraft, Lascelles, Botman, and Livramento from right to left. It's my prediction. Two different uh, lineups there. I suppose we can't well, be we can't be we can't be the same one because that doesn't really serve the debate, does it? So it doesn't, it's going to be different. Yeah. How big moment was it for Dubravka on Saturday to keep a clean sheet? Do you reckon because obviously he's had a torrid time of it of late, coming in for Nick Pope, conceding boatload of goals, and you know a lot of criticism. Uh, for him, which I thought was unfair uh, to a certain extent because there's a lot of the goals he couldn't really do much about. But Saturday keeps a clean sheet. That'll be a massive confidence boost to him, won't it, Rizzo? Yeah, I don't think he had a lot to do, uh, did he, during the game, but his handling was was spot on, which I think it was against Milan as well. Um, obviously, he was beaten twice and, and did get some criticism that week from some supporters. But, you know, Martin Dubravka in the past for Newcastle has been one of their most important players and he's a former player of the season at Newcastle and look at how how good he was when he signed a few years ago so we know that he's capable of being um, a very good Premier League goalkeeper and he's got the opportunity now for a run in the team which will continue into the new year you would imagine you would think that he'd start tomorrow wouldn't you Um, rather than a change uh, with Karius coming in so um, yeah I hope he's I hope he's in a, a a good frame of mind after the clean sheet, but he should play tomorrow, shouldn't he? You don't think? Yeah, he I, I, I don't know. I think he'll he'll keep Dubravka in uh, more, more more certainly. I think the rest of the team, you probably see Bruno, Longstaff, and Miley across the middle, Gordon, and Miggy on the flags, and Callum Wilson. I mean, Isaac might be back. Might not be back. Probably won't risk him ahead of Luton um, on the twenty third. 
I just want to have a, a quick word uh, about Chelsea because with Newcastle's form, Aaron, we know large part of it has been down to fatigue and injuries. But with Chelsea's form, a large part of it has been down to the fact that they just don't know what the best eleven is. Mm -hmm. They've got so many players that this jointed project is really in its infancy, but it's actually hampered by how many players they've got in. They're not a very good side, Chelsea. I don't think that's sort of fair to say. Whereas with Newcastle, you know they're a good side, and when they get everyone back, I mean, I'm, I'm buzzing about February, March time when they've got a full squad back because I think you can see Newcastle actually accelerating up the table at that point. This game uh, tomorrow, you know, again, he's not going to have loads of options back, but he's still going to have enough of a battle team where you know they can play well. It might be away, but you know they can play well and and, and beat Chelsea. Absolutely, I think I think there's plenty of reasons to be positive. One. And it will be a huge confidence boost is is how well they did at Manchester United away, how well they did against Manchester City with, you know, essentially a second string side out. Um, number two, Chelsea are very, very hit and miss, uh, as we've seen. I think they're a team of individuals rather than a collective. I think they've got some very, very good players. But if you can keep Cole Palmer and Raheem Sterling quiet if they play, then I think you've got a really, really good chance of winning. The only real issue for me at the minute, if I, if I have to maybe go on the other side and be a bit negative, is if this game was at St James's Park, I'd be very, very confident. But you look at Newcastle United's away form, barring Manchester United in recent weeks and, and you know, nearly winning in Paris. And you think, you know, you look at the form table and think they're just not the same animal away from home. But um, it's, the cup though, isn't it? it's the cup. And look, you know, nobody really give them a chance at Old Trafford when we saw Dummett and Kraft start at centre-back and, you know, um, a really weakened team and yet they still went there and, and made uh, light work of it so I, I'm weirdly I think I feel maybe a little bit more confident about Chelsea than I did against Fulham on Saturday because going in that Fulham game after Milan I thought you know it's going to be a real effort but I think I think in the cup they've got just something about them I think they'll win tomorrow I'm feeling quite confident as well um, and against Sheffield United Chelsea were not very good for the first 55 minutes or so so that, that also gives me a little bit of confidence uh, Reza, just tell us what Eddie Howe said about the competition, about the Carabao Cup, and how much that he he wants to progress into the next round and, and hopefully finally on, on to Wembley. Yeah, he used the word desperate to get through um, and talked about some of his favourite experiences of last season. Uh, this is when he was speaking this morning at his pre-match news conference. Uh, and he said that the semi-final, both legs against Southampton, um, stick in his mind because of the way the fans responded to the team winning eventually uh, at Southampton and then and then after confirming their place at Wembley how how meaningful that was um and although the final the match itself um wasn't great they were in a bad run of form bad time to play Manchester United um you were doing okay at that time. Everything else he he said was was really brilliant, and they want more memories like that. Um, he also said that this season they've had to raise their game in the in the League Cup because of the op the opponents they've had, but they've seen off both Manchester clubs, um, and now they've got to do it to Chelsea, who are not what they were. But as Aaron said, the record away from home this season hasn't been great, and Eddie Howe said that uh, he feels that that will sort itself out over the course of the season. He can't put his finger on one thing that's uh, prevented Newcastle from picking up points away in the league. Um, but he did make reference to that brilliant win at Old Trafford. Um, so, I don't know. I think I have been more comfortable with them not winning on Saturday than losing tomorrow because 
you don't want to go out of two big competitions in a week. And I really want to see them get to Wembley again and and do it this time, which by late February, as you've, you've both talked about, um, the state of the squad will hopefully, although they'll probably pick up more injuries before then, the way things are going, they should be in a better position. And I think it would be a really brilliant thing if they could get back. The problem is Liverpool are still in the competition. And the way the draws have been this season, you can just see it, can't you? Um, I'd rather play Liverpool in the final if they could get there because if you lose, it might be more palatable, uh, but also it would be the best place to finally beat them because they've just got such a hold over Newcastle. So the Liverpool factor worries me if they can get through. Um, they are absolutely capable of beating Chelsea and winning at Chelsea, even though the record at Stamford Bridge is rubbish. Um, and and I, I really feel like they're going to do it tomorrow, even with all the, the injury problems um, and the, the challenges that they're facing. So uh, it's going to be a big night, but yeah, they can they can definitely do it. And look, wouldn't it be great if if Middlesbrough beat Port Vale? Mm-hmm. They got Middlesbrough in a two-legged semi-final because they've not played them since 2010. And you have Sunderland in one cup and then Middlesbrough in the other and a chance for Newcastle to beat both of their you know, closest geographical teams in the space of uh, of a few days and weeks. That would be fantastic. Be big for the for football in the wider region, wouldn't it? And um, they'd be wonderful occasions. So that would be that would be what I'd like to see. Certainly would be. I'm not sure about the region's police forces or whatever they get. They're, they're not, I'm not sure, but I'm sure it would be under best behaviour. But a full house staff, they're going to beat them as well. Let's get Sam Muller then from Fans TV into the studio. Uh, Sam, welcome to the podcast. I sent you a little bit of a task yesterday, didn't I? And you uh, thankfully took it on board. And that was to sort some trivia out for me now. And because uh, listeners of the podcast know that I present Aaron some trivia at the end of every show. And he usually does very badly. So mm. given it's Christmas, given it's the last show of the year, I thought Sam could be the quiz master. And uh, we'd go um, against each other this time around. You ready for it? Yeah, always ready. Sam, do you want to explain the rules? Because there is a little bit of context. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to the Chronicle Live Quizmas. And uh, basically, I've got 10 questions. It's going to be... I was thinking about a, a penalty shootout format, but um, I think what we can do is, if we have a bit of a buffer, instead of just one of you having Bing and the other one Bong, I think, um, in honour of, uh, of having Razor here, I think, Andy, your buzzer will be... Matty Longstaff hit it with a big, <laughs> with with raucous verve. And um, Aaron, your buzzer will be the classic Ando quote of just put it in the net. Yes, I'm so glad that that's the one I got. Um, also, uh, in honour of, of uh, Razor being present, um, you both have a lifeline of Ask Razor, um, which you can only use the once. And uh, yeah, he can answer your question for you, but we have to take his first answer. Do you both understand the rules? Yeah. Yep. So let me finish the question, then come in with your your um, unique buzzers. And uh, yeah, there is a tie-break question, if it's 5-5 at the end of this, which was devised by my six-year-old son, Charlie, yesterday. <laughs> that looks very sensible. It's quite scary. Um, okay. Are we ready for question one? Go for it. Okay, it's an underarm, so uh, you should both know this one. Who scored Newcastle's final goal of the Mike Ashley era? 
just put it in the net. Jeff Hendrick. Correctamundo. I thought you would have both been in there like a flash then. He's looking, he's looking worried in the studio. Ned Stark, Ned. That would, that's probably the easiest question of the lot. Question two. Nobby Solano had three different squad numbers during his playing days at Newcastle United. Can you name all three? Just hit it. Oh, my God. Uh, Go on. 14, 24, and 32. No, you've, you've actually, no, that, and and to, I don't I don't want to play this day, but that is an appalling answer. Well, I can't hit though. You've missed, you've missed the, the probably the most obvious one. Oh, <laughs> oh, go on, over to you. That is as closest you've ever had of swearing on this podcast for <laughs> many years. Um, Razor, do you do you know the answer to this? I think I do. Hit me. I think I think it's uh, four. 15 and 24. Oh, different gravy. <laughs> different gravy. Your, your lifeline must grow. But should have done that. Should have done it. You've still got it, though. Still got it. I've never had it. <laughs> okay. So it's still 1 0 to Aaron, but um, the moral victory so far is uh, Racers winning this. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. Question three. Which former Newcastle United loanee? Scored his only Newcastle goal in the League Cup versus Portsmouth. Loney. We're talking, and that must have been a while back. I, I think we're safe to say the quick fire element of this quiz has gone out. <laughs> yeah. uh, just in it, I'll use Razor's, Razor's lifeline. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to try. I'll try to help you out. Um, I think the answer is Giuseppe Rossi. Oh, oh. I, that was going to be my guess. Yeah, uh, convenient. Um, after bloody exactly. Right. <laughs> Happy to help you. Thank you, Isa. That is one-one. Um, just to point out, Razor has two correct answers. <laughs> so far. Um, okay. Question four. It's one-one. Who was in goal for Newcastle for the infamous 2-1 derby defeat to Sunday? Just it is. Steve Arbour. No. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm going to open this one up to Aaron because I did not finish the question. I'll restart it for you, Aaron. Who was in goal for Newcastle for the infamous 2-1 defeat to Sunderland at St. James's Park, which ultimately ended Rude Hullett's tenure at Newcastle? Uh, I am going to go with... Uh, Sooner check. No. Gotta be shit given, right? No, Razor, do you know? Tommy Wright. Correct. Razor's never gonna be allowed to act. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for a pub quiz tonight. Um, <laughs> next question. It's still unbelievably 1 1. <laughs> Who is Newcastle United women's top scorer so far this season? Just put it in the net. Yes, Aaron. I'm going to go with Anna Soulsby. No, that is incorrect. 
Should I offer? Should I offer it across? Why not? I'll be honest. I, I have I have no idea. I'm, I I apologize. I I don't I, I don't know that one. Razor, any thoughts? Uh, I'm not sure of the number of goals she scored, but I think it's still Bridget Galloway. Yes, it is. It, she has uh, she got a hat trick yesterday against Fylde, um, which took her tally to 16 so Ooh. far. Indeed. And I believe had a bit of a drop. Was it eleven two yesterday? Eleven three. Yeah. Unbelievable. They're doing better than me now on this quiz. Mm. That's for sure. <laughs> Just worth pointing out uh, for stats fans, Newcastle United women have not lost a league game in 2023. And they don't have another one this year, so they've gone unbeaten. Um, okay. Next question. How many have we got left? I mean, it's still 1-1 one, one, and there's only one, two, three, four, five questions left. We're halfway. Who is the last player to miss a Premier League penalty for Newcastle? No, Wilson's got a good record though, hasn't he? Says like on Callum Wilson. Yeah. Just put it in the net. Yes, I reckon. I think Razor will know this one. So oh. Right. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That's a rude move. Okay. I've got an answer. I'm not I'm not hundred percent. I'm probably seventy-five with it. But I think Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Matt Ritchie at Southampton in the final match before the um, COVID pause. So I'm going to say Matt Ritchie. How, conf how confident were you? 75%? Seven 75 because I can't think of another miss since then in the Premier League. Aaron, do you, are you confident with Razor's answer? Uh, of course I am. It's, it's Razor. He's the, he's the, mm. the oracle. It was a miss, but it might not be the last one. You see, you that's... have every right to be. Of course, it's correct. Of course. <laughs> Reputation on the line. Pleasure, pleasure. Any idea? Do you want to go for a further one before that? Before Matt Riches? He doesn't use ego and fit anymore. Uh, uh, was it was it Hosselu against uh, Burnley? Yeah, I think it was. I didn't. That? I just wanted to know. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> right. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to check that out after this quiz. So, Aaron has a 2-1 lead. You've both utilised ask, uh, your Ask Razor lifelines. So, uh, it's a straight shootout from here on in. Next question. How many goals did Louis Saha score for Newcastle? That's right. Did it. Saha played for Newcastle. And he scored the one against Coventry. Did he score any more? I'm going to go. My first answer was two, so I'm going to go with two. You are absolutely 100% correct. Yes. The other Blackburn in the FA Cup. My mom, I always remember my mom. Uh, Maybe it was the Blackburn goal. He had he heads it into the ground, doesn't he? For some reason, I always remember my mum saying, "Oh, she done that." He lends you himself doing that. She <laughs> don't like what hurt his neck. Shows my mum that knows about football. Who stuck with us that one? Come on, then. You know what? I apologise to our listeners and, and viewers because this is like when Sky I think they picked a really good Sunday Sunday match, Sunday funny <laughs> Sunday match, Super Sunday match, and then it just like dies off before and a little bit like that one yesterday between Manchester United and Liverpool. 
Yeah. Um, so obvious that was going to be nil nil as well. But um, hey ho. Uh, three questions remain. It is two two. Next question. What nationality is former Newcastle United midfielder Gail Bigiramana? Just hit it. Oh. I can give you the flag. Um, so going. But uh, Burundi? Burundi is a country. Well, whatever nationality you would be if you're from Burundi. I'll give it. I'll, I, I, will, I will take your answer. Burundian, yes. Burundian? Yes. Oh, 3-2 lead. <laughs> Only two questions remain. He's near this. We'll we'll go more current before we uh, before the final question. Although, Aaron, you need to get this, otherwise Andy has won. Yeah. Who scored Newcastle's first goal in the eight nil away win at Sheffield United this season? Just put it in the net. Yes, Aaron. It's not by time. Of course, I kind of just because it was uh, Sean Longstaff. It is. That's it, it is. But it's see, it's a tricky little question there because you think there was that many. We were still making up. We had yesterday the BBC Newcastle Sport Team Christmas celebration uh, every year uh, on a the Sunday in December. We uh, we have a day out and we have a quiz which is done by Paul Dixon, who's our uh, legendary non-league football expert. And one of his questions in the quiz was who scored the first goal at Sheffield United and who scored the eighth goal at Sheffield United and uh, not every team got it right so it's tricky because there were so many scorers yeah. as you yeah. pointed out it really did get out of hand um, final question the score is 3-3 we do have a tie break question if neither of you know the answer to this question I won't hand this over so it is, it's, it's proper do or die time final question who was Newcastle United's player of the season the year they were relegated from the Premier League for the first time, so under Alan Shearer. Just hit us. Come on then, Andy. This Sebastian, is it. Sebastian Bashar. Charlie is going to be fuming at home. Yes, that is correct. Sebastian Bashar, we do not need the tie break. Andy, months <laughs> ago, won the Chronicle Live Quizmas 4-3. I can't believe you got that. Should we play the should we play the uh tiebreak commiserations? Razor, you can have a guess in this oh, as well. Thank you. Again, th this question was devised by my uh, by my six year old son Charlie. So uh if you're gonna have a go at it, you're essentially bullying a child. <laughs> um so how many Premier League clean sheets did Shea give and keep in his career? I'll take a guess off all of you, starting with the champ. Aaron's just interviewed him as well, so and he doesn't know, which makes me feel lucky. I wrote this down for for the podcast. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's as many as people think. I think two hundred thirty-six. Two hundred and thirty-six. Aaron, hang on. What was the question again? How many clean sheets did he keep for Newcastle? No. How many appearances? Oh, how, how many Premier League clean sheets did they give and keep in his career? Oh, in his career. Yeah. Um, I'll go 
I'll go slightly lower. I'll go two or one. Until it raises like one, raise it. Cares because the answer. Uh, I don't know the answer. A hundred and seventeen. So, if we'd have gone to a tiebreak, we would have had a new champion. It's just irrelevant. <laughs> However, I mean, it's not the correct answer, but Matthew Raisbeck, what with an answer of 116, only four away, the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, I, th I think Ray's got the moral victory and all of that quiz. <laughs> yeah, it's just there were how many Premier League appearances? I don't know, four hundred probably for all the different clubs. How many? You know, you don't keep a clean shit every week, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he, where else was he? Villa, Man City, yeah. So. And in the Premier League, did he? Or, or, or if he did, it wasn't many. No, and when he went went to Middlesbrough, but were they in the Championship then? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a uh, it was a guess. It was a guess. A very good one. A very very good quiz. Sam, thank you very thank much. You. For you thank you. Thanks to Charlie as well for the tiebreak, and thanks to Sam uh, on, a, on a wider note for all he's done this year. Uh, for the podcast, stepping in, hosting, stepping in, being a special guest, being a survey man as well, and now quiz master. It is much appreciated, Sam, from myself and Aaron, everyone that works on the pods. Um, and we'll see you in 2024. Uh, Razor, thank you for being the special guest today. Uh, thank you as well for all the appearances throughout the year, live events as well. And thank you to you guys listening and tuning in. Uh, the familiar faces like Roger, like Les like Darren everyone who's in the comments at the comments everyone but thank you very much for tuning in you guys listening thank you for all the nice words uh, subscriptions and what have you we, we love doing this myself and Aaron it's been a record year for us as well in terms of figures and downloads and it couldn't be done obviously without you guys uh, following us every week and it is, it's a privilege to, to talk Newcastle today with you guys and uh, yeah have a happy Christmas have a brilliant new year for myself and Aaron we'll see you guys uh, very soon well in 2024 hopefully celebrating Newcastle flying up the league and in the next round of the League Cup as well. Thank you.